Illyrial, or A Voyage to Other Worlds, a tale by Vladislav Lachsima. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 The Voyage of Circumnavigation We sailed on over the airy sea till we saw the varied white and red outline of Laplace land white because of the snows of the arctic continent but rendered most beautiful by the red vegetation when the cold had not killed vegetable life we crossed the arctic circle in the fey sea and then bordered with glittering icebergs shining in the sunlight rising from the green waters the long ranges of snowy mountains of the arctic continent appeared in all their grandeur the scenery was very splendid but at the same time not quite unearthly for you have something like it in europe in the northern shores of norway which so many now visit to watch the midnight sun the rest of mars however is missing upon earth the rich combinations of white and crimson two of the most beautiful of colour combinations the white slopes of the arctic continent blushed like the cheek of a fair girl brightened by a momentary excitement while the green ocean and fantastic glittering icebergs formed a magnificent fringe to the blushing slopes of red and white we coasted for some days along the arctic continent in these splendid scenes passing sometimes vast submarine forests of algae which tinted the green waters and made its colour change to such a degree that even your telescopes can notice these tinted spots upon the green ocean of mars the ocean was not lifeless amidst the icebergs sported huge monsters of the deep and now and then electric ships of the martians dashed past us the ocean was not lifeless amidst the icebergs sported huge monsters of the deep and now and then electric ships of the martians dashed past us at length having sailed through what men call from their astronomer's name the beer sea we crossed over from the icy arctic continent and its superb natural scenery to what you call the herschel continent here we sailed up the narrow channel between it and the copernicus continent back to the warm and ruddy regions of the tropics sometimes the shores of both continents were in sight with towers and cities rising out of the rich crimson forests the hum of industry could be heard the channel was filled with the electric ships my companion told me the names of the many cities we were passing till crossing the equator we pushed on out of sight of land to the great newton ocean we crossed the tropic of the lion for that is the southern tropic of mars as yours is the tropic of capricorn then came to the great island of the southern ocean which you call Seki's land the winter was coming on thousands of vessels filled with their freights were sailing down the zolna sea to bear the martians of seki's land to more favoured lands the snow was already appearing however we pushed on rapidly to near the antarctic circle where the sea was already nearly a mass of ice floes into phipps sea just sighting the antarctic isle now clad in snow of rossland then pushing down the turby sea we once more came in sight of Webland. Tell me, I said, how you arrange your exchanges of material things. On earth there is a use of bits of gold and silver, which are stamped to represent a certain amount of things which are wanted, 
as food or clothes, and people who have many of these bits of gold are called rich. But in our world of Venus there is, by a beneficent providence, such an abundance of everything that there is little need of exchange, and all our gold and silver are used for ornament. How do you regulate the supply of things that are wanted? There was a time when we were in our imperfect state, when war existed and selfishness and all its evils, that we had a system of exchange and barter, and bought and sold as it seems men do now. Each laboured for himself and his family, and for them alone. The strong prospered, and the weak suffered. But now we arrange that nothing shall belong to the individual, but all to the community. All that is wanted is supplied from the common stores. How do you provide against indolence? On earth some theorists have held this view, but it never has been found to answer. Human selfishness is too great. Each man would grasp all that he could from the common stores intended for all, and some would idle when others would have to work. We have stamped out selfishness in our world, or nearly so. The first point in the education of our little ones is to teach them to be truthful and unselfish. If, when they grow up, they are found to have failed to learn the lesson, we first punish them as liars or selfish, and if they are incorrigible, send them through the Tower of Doom out of our world. We pray for them, but we slay them. There is no room in our world either for liars or selfish people. It would be well if they could get rid of them on earth also. Men suffer crime to fester in their midst and to pollute society. But tell me, how do you govern your state? By the rule of the wisest. Those who excel in wisdom and virtue are promoted to power, but they are never suffered to use their power for their own advantage, but for that of the community. We do not choose by popular election, but by competitive examination. The wisest of our mathematicians and those who excel in calculation are given the care of the treasures. Those physicians who are proved to excel above others in physiology are given the care of sanitation. The most able architects the care of public buildings, the greatest botanists the care of the forests. The chief object of the state is to secure the greatest possible happiness to the greatest possible number. And to do this we require the highest available scientific knowledge in each department. I think you are wise. One of the greatest thinkers on earth, Plato, thought it would be best if philosophers were kings or kings philosophers. Men now derive much of their trials and sorrows from giving power to political empirics who know how to talk or to intrigue or to toady or to cringe and flatter, and then by their stupidity misapply the power entrusted to them, or else use it for their own selfish ends. You are wise in giving power to those who know the most. But is power hereditary with you, as in a majority of the lands of earth? As long as the son proves himself worthy of a wise sire, I do not see why he should not possess his father's privileges. But we find sons and fathers often dissimilar, so we never put a son into his father's position until he has proved himself worthy of it. Then you do not recognize the family as the basis of society as much as men do. I found among more cultured races, and especially in that continent so like your world which men call America, a tendency against this family basis. 
but here is a danger from engendering selfishness by making individuals live for themselves and struggle for themselves the strongest prosper the weaker crushed in our world duties are balanced each individual has his duty defined to himself to his family to his village or civic community to his nation to the whole world the community is the most important basis the family is too small the nation too large but the sphere of duty is really balanced to all relations in our earlier state each lived for himself then wars arose and mutual assistance was required since we have had universal peace we have tried to insist on each realizing his duty to all society and to the whole world you spoke of common stores how do you fill them i asked it seems to me there's a great deal more idle time and amusement in this world than on earth most of our work is done as you see by our control of natural forces we convert the storm and the ocean wave into electricity and by this we have a vast almost an immeasurable command of power thus we can do our work control and turn nature to our will with little effort so the more our control of the forces of nature has increased the more leisure we have found for recreation for development of the inner life for study for mental improvement for relaxation there was a time when our ancestors had to labor very hard and life was one round of endless toil then the rich and the strong made the poor and weak labor for them but since we have reached our present state we have been able to adjust labor wisely to give all their fair share of work and fair share of healthy recreation and to get our efforts aided by the forces of nature subdued to our will through the master force of electricity you have done wisely i said perhaps in time man may do the same when he has advanced further in knowledge how do you divide the day in your communes i asked one third is given to work if required which it rarely is one third to amusement and refreshment one third to sleep that is on our working days on all feast days there is no work but only recreation and devotion to god's service on working days an hour out of the working time is ever given to prayer and praise what do you understand by recreation it is left to the individual taste the government provides amusement we have no need now to fritter our means in armaments in every village in every town there are bodies of trained musicians who nightly perform music for their neighbors amusement for music we regard as an important element of happiness then every village has its theater and its body of actors and where scenes are represented nightly for the recreation of the people then we have games of many kinds mostly to develop the energy of the young lectures or speeches on subjects bearing on science are delivered by competent teachers then we have books and libraries for the enlightenment of all everything of course is provided by our rulers one of whose chief duties is to provide healthy amusement and recreation for all then again in most of our villages we take our meals together in a common hall all work for the common good and all are fed from the common stores but to do this we must have perfect unselfishness how do you manage with regard to the relation of the sexes on earth this constant throwing young people together would be fraught with danger where the females are not taught modesty it would be so 
but modesty and self-restraint are after unselfishness the first lessons we inculcate but there is a great advantage in letting the young people of both sexes mix together and know each other well before they marry so we soften the character of the males by friendly and supervised conversation with the females how do you manage about marriages there is the chief difficulty in the societies of earth and men have diverse ways of dealing with it in diverse nations we expect those who wish to be married to know each other many years before the marriage is completed and to obtain the consent of the elders we had many such conversations which i cannot now describe to you but the more he told me the more i thought that in many things men might learn from the martians a class of beings not unlike men in many things and living in a world very like your earth but further advanced when passing Websland, i asked if i might see one of the common feasts and recreations of the martians after some delay and consideration my friend assented on condition of my being very careful about preserving my secret and not of exposing myself to detection he promised to show me the hall of feasting and the hall of recreation of his own commune when we got back to tycholand which we did next morning end of chapter nineteen